day was interesting. An old friend visited my liquor shop from back in my heydays. I didn't say anything to him at first, and he didn't say anything back. As I was checking him out, I don't think he could stand the silence anymore. Don't you know me, Joe, he said. Sure, I know you, Ty, but I wasn't sure you wanted to know me. A lot of them don't. Now, I suppose I should mention that Ty was actually Mr. Tyrus Raymond Cobb, the Georgia Peach. He was a decent ball player. So, who would Ty Cobb visit at their liquor shop and wonder if they didn't know who he was? The answer might surprise you, as it certainly came as a surprise to me. My name is Joseph Jefferson Jackson, or Shoeless Joe, as the fans called me. Why do I run a liquor store in South Carolina instead of playing ball in the bigs? Well, I'm sure you know the story, but I am going to tell you the truth. I was born on July 16, 1887, in South Carolina. We moved around a bit, but we eventually settled in Brandon Mill. I was the oldest, and at about age seven, I worked as a lint head in the mill for which this town was called. I worked 12-hour shifts, and I hardly received an education because we couldn't afford it. In fact, I can't read or write too well, which was an issue for me throughout my life. I even had my wife sign most of my autographs. At age 10, I had an attack of the measles that almost killed me, and it left me paralyzed from the waist down for two months. I was nursed back to health by my mother, Martha, bless her heart. Had it not been for her, I might not have even had the chance to play baseball. When I was 13, one of the owners of the mill for which I worked approached Ma about me playing baseball for the mill's team. I was the youngest player on the team, but that didn't mean I couldn't compete. In the beginning, I was a pitcher, but one day I hit a kid so hard that it broke his arm. After that, no one would hit against me, so I got put in the outfield. I thank goodness for that, otherwise I don't know if my career would have even taken off playing left field. I was one of the best hitters around, and I even got my own bat, Black Betsy. Moving forward in my career, I played semi-pro ball for a while, moving around the states. I was a country kid, and being in those big cities took some getting used to. I mean, the smells alone, all the gasoline from all the automobiles, all the food vendors on every corner, people around every street from all walks of life, it was hard to get used to at all. I played my first full season in 1911, and I set a few rookie records. I batted a 408 average and had a 468 on-base percentage. In 1915, I was traded to the Chicago White Sox. I continued playing posting great numbers, and winning a pennant and World Series with the team. Because of the Great War, I missed most of the 1918 season working in a dockyard to help our boys. The next year, we made it to another World Series, this time against the Reds. What happened during would be famous. Some would even say infamous. The series started on October 1st. Eddie Sakat's first pitch was a strike, always a good way to start a game. Then he nailed Maury Rath in the back. That was the signal to start the fix. The fix? Throw the series, get paid. Now, not everyone on the team was a part of the fix, but I'm certain everyone who followed baseball heard the rumors about it. We went on to play eight out of a rare nine-game series, since most were seven games, and we lost the series to the Reds, five games to three. It was a huge upset. The Sox, my team, should have beaten the Reds handily. As for me, sure I was mad about losing, but I played as best as I could. <laughs> I'm sure you're wondering, was I involved in the fix? 
Let me just say this. The players who were in on it met a few times, and I never met with them. I didn't play bad on purpose in any games. In fact, I led the series in batting average and did not have a single error in the field. I was even offered $5,000, not once, but twice, and I still refused. I even tried to tell Comiskey, our manager, about the fix, but he refused to meet with me. To make a long story short, I did not take part in the fix, although some people thought otherwise. In 1921, me and seven others who were involved in the fix received a lifetime ban from baseball. Not just the majors, not just the minors, all baseball. Now let me tell you, that just about broke me. No more baseball? How could I do that? Baseball is my life. That ban was not going to stop me from playing. For the next 20 years, I played baseball anywhere I could. South Carolina, Georgia, semi-pro, outlaw leagues. I even managed teams. I couldn't use my real name, of course, but I made do any way I could. I just couldn't let my dream go. For anyone who doesn't know how it feels to have your future destroyed, to be banned from your favorite thing in the whole world, let me tell you, it ain't fun. It ain't something you can just say no thanks to. But if you truly love what you did, you will always find a way to do it still. For me, the thing I loved was, was baseball. Baseball was my life. I played since I was 13. I had a record-breaking career. I was one of the best players in baseball, on track to be a part of the Hall of Fame. And all that changed in what seemed like a heartbeat. I was banned from the game, and my eligibility for the Hall of Fame was destroyed. But I still found a way to do the thing I loved. So, to anyone who feels like they can't do anything just because of a bad experience, look at me. Anyone can do anything when they don't let others determine their dreams.